we'll sing uh, just the first verse. That's all right. They're they're still they're still going slow and slow down, Lucas. <laughs> down in the valley with my Savior I would go, where the flowers are blooming and the sweet waters flow. Everywhere He leads me, I would follow, follow on, walking in His footsteps till the crown be won. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus anywhere, everywhere, I will follow on. Follow, follow, I will follow Jesus everywhere he leads me, I will follow on. Amen. You may be seated. Take your Bibles, if you will, please. Turn to the book of Romans, chapter number 5. The book of Romans, chapter number 5. We'll pick up reading in verse number 1. Book of Romans, chapter number 5. Begin reading in verse number 1. The Bible says, therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. And hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. For when we were yet without Christ, without strength in due time, Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more then, being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath through him. For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his Son, much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. Let's pray. Father, we love you this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your mercy. Lord, thank you for being a good God, the loving Savior to us. Lord, I thank you for the, these uh, people that have gathered together in this place, Lord, to, to sing songs to you and to listen to the Word of God. And I pray that you'd empty me of self and cleanse me of sin. And God, help me to say everything I should say. Help me to say nothing I shouldn't. Lord, I pray that you'd do a work in us, that you could do a work through us. Draw us closer to your Son, and we'll be careful to give you the honor, give you the glory. In Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. As we come to the book of Romans, as we have dealt with chapter number 1 down through chapter number 4, in the beginning of chapter 1, chapter number 2, uh, Paul is dealing with all the, the judgment of God, and then beginning in verse number uh, chapter number 3, he then begins to uh, deal with how to escape that judgment that was or the wrath of God as he puts it. And so in chapter number 4, Paul begins writing about justification. 
And justification is that of the omission of sin and the absolution from guilt and punishment are also defined as an act of free grace by which God pardons a sinner and accepts him as righteous on the account of the atonement of Christ. And so we find as we have dealt with chapter 4 and in beginning in chapter 5 that this, this idea of justification or being justified is, is very much dealt with through chapter 4 and even beginning to be dealt with in chapter number 5. And is if, if justification is, as justification is brought to the believer, if that's all that God did for us as believers was to justify us, that should be enough for us to live for Him throughout this lifetime and also praise Him throughout the eternity to come. However, justification is not something that only deals with that of, um, of this lifetime, but yet also there's more to justification than just that of uh, us being saved and us being able to go to heaven when this life is over. Last week in chapter number 4, uh, we looked at the latter part, part of the verses about how to have a strong faith. And the reason that you and I can have a strong faith is because of justification, because we've been saved by the grace of God and we have now been justified. And so not only does, does justification give us the opportunity to have the kind of faith that Abraham has, has as we, uh, or had as we looked at it last week, but Paul begins to write some things about justification that it brings to us that now in our day, in, in, the day, in our daily lives, some things uh, that justification brings. Uh, number one, I want you to notice when, when a person gets saved, uh, there are some things that they acquire. And Paul begins to uh, list out some of these things. Now this is not an exhaustive list of everything that a person, once they get saved, acquires. Uh, however, this is just some things that Paul under the inspiration of the Spirit of God, pinned down. I want you to notice the first thing uh, is verse number 1. He says, therefore, being justified by faith. And we always must, always must remember that it is a justification is always by faith. It is never by anything we have done or anything that we could do. So he says the first thing that comes along with being justified is that of, notice this, uh, peace with God. Now he goes on to say, through our Lord Jesus Christ. By the way, there's nine times that you'll find in the verses that we read that, there is, that it is giving, uh, Paul is acknowledging uh, that everything that is listed in these verses is uh, through Jesus Christ. So there's no way that you and I could read these verses and ever uh, begin to think that these are through our goodness or through us or through anything else, uh, but it is only the only way that we have access to these things uh, is through Him. So the first thing he deals with is that of the peace of God. Now when you think of peace, and when I think of peace, there's a, a whole lot of uh, talk in our day of peace, but reality of it is there, there is no peace economically, there is no peace politically, and there is no peace financially a lot of times. And so when we think of peace, you have to uh, probably go back to a time to where uh, some of us don't know much about, but some of you would would maybe recognize, remember. Uh, but when we think of peace, we think a lot of times of war. And, and um, I, I, was not, I was not born um, in, in the time frame of, of uh, world wars, and I hope that, that the Lord shields me from that, that we go home to be with Him before anything else like that ever occurs. But 
but if you think, I, I, I've watched clips of what happened of, of World War II when they finally announced that the war was over. And man, there was, they was uh, jubilation in the streets. People was crying and weeping, tears of joy. And, and everybody was just, just ecstatic over that the war was over. And so when you think about peace, you, you think about two entities that is at, at, at odds with each other. And then, uh, then they, at, when come, peace comes, they, there's no more uh, enmity between them. There's no more fighting. There's no more uh, uh, warring, if you will. And so when Paul makes a statement about having this peace of God, this peace is not a state of mind or even a state of heart. But this peace that Paul is talking about is a, is a prevailing condition between two uh, that were once alienated. Now you have to remember that, uh, that it, when a person is lost and they don't know God and they have never come to faith and repentance in Jesus Christ, uh, they are alienated from God. They are at, they are at, uh, the Bible says they're, enmity, they're at enmity between them and God. There's war. There, there is no peace between them and God. Because there, there is no uh, common ground between them. And so when Paul makes this statement about the peace of God, uh, he is referring to that the only way that this peace is accomplished is by the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now Colossians chapter 1 verse number 20 says this, And having made peace through the blood of His cross, uh, by Him to reconcile all things unto Himself, by Him I say, whether they be things in earth or things in heaven. Now when we think about this peace of God that's mentioned here in Romans chapter 5, verse number 1 is not to be confused with the peace of God that is, that is mentioned in Philippians chapter 4, verse number 7. Now this, what Philippians 4, verse number 7 is having, um, having peace, uh, peace uh, uh, the peace of God which passeth all understanding. And that is not what Paul is dealing with here in Romans chapter 5. Matter of fact, that that Philippians 4 is peace of God, but Romans 5 is peace with God. And there's a huge difference between having the peace of God and being at peace with God. And so we find that this, this issue of peace, that is one of the things that is given with, with the issue of justification. Now I want you to think just for a moment. Now everybody in here got saved the same way. Not everybody's salvation experience was the same, though. Not everybody had the same experience that I had, and you're not going to have the same experience that I had. And it took me, it took me many years to, to realize that that's okay. I, I, I can remember in, in when I went in Bible college, we had um, orientation, and one of the things that took place in orientation was was the professor went around to every, every person in the classroom and they had to stand up and tell who they were, where they were from, uh, what ministry, what part of the ministry they were serving or if they were serving. And then the, you had to tell your testimony. And I, I can remember sitting there that day and um, go, him going through the room and this one talking about this and that one talking about that. And, and there was one older gentleman stood up and he talked about how that um, he was an alcoholic for so many years and abused his wife and abused his children and then, then God saved him and how, how much there was a radical change in his life and, and brought so much peace to his family and just, uh, just a, a wonderful testimony. And then 
It wasn't a few others that went by that this one was um, saved out of, saved out of uh, drug use and so on and so forth. And, and, and I can remember sitting there, I, I, I was sitting up very back, and I can remember sitting there going through, uh, them going through each of their testimony and talking about how bad in sin they was and how God uh, dramatically rescued them and God radically changed their life and they went from being an alcoholic one day to... Uh, to just a few weeks later teaching Sunday school and went from beating their wife to having a great marriage and all these different events that took place when they got saved. And it really, the devil, you really use that in my mind to wonder, was I even saved? Because I didn't have the testimony of being saved out of alcohol or being saved out of alcoholism or being saved out of drug abuse or being saved, uh, uh, illicit activity, and all the different things that I'm, I was hearing. And, and I, man, I, there again, I, I was 18 years old, uh, uh, freshly in Bible college, just been, been preaching several, a couple, about a year and a half uh, at that time. And I, I can remember giving my testimony and thinking, man, you know what, I, I need to dress mine up a little bit. I, I mean, really and truly, I mean, about the only thing, I, could, I got saved as an eight-year-old boy. That's the only thing I can say. The worst thing I ever did was back talk my mama. And when I had done that, I thought the judgment of God had come down. And, and so I, I can remember sitting there listening to all these stories and thinking, man, I don't have that. I, I, I don't have that, that kind of experience. And then the devil for, for months just browbeat me said you're not saved you don't have those experiences you don't have all that radicalness now there was a change but there was not a radical change I mean really how far in sin can an 8 year old boy be and so I mean there, there was some change but there was no radical change there was no me getting stone drunk on, on Saturday and then pouring out all the liquor come, come Sunday and so I, I, I remember all of that and going through that and, I, and years I battled that and I remember I would even, I'd be preaching and I'd preach about how you, know, you can know that you know that you know you're saved and get done preaching only to wonder, do I really know? And I mean, I, was, I, I don't know if I was at the, the verge of a mental breakdown, but I was at the verge of something. And I, I can remember riding home one night and, and I, I, had, I had just... Uh, just went as far as I could go. And I, all I could do, and, and there again, and there's again some, some uh, I was listening to another preacher, and he made a statement like this. He, he said, if you can't remember the day on the calendar, if you can't remember the time on the clock, then you really didn't get saved. Well, I didn't remember the day. and I didn't remember the time. And so all this was stacking up on me. And I, I mean, I'm a preacher. We're supposed to have it all figured out. So, Brother Tim, we can't go to another preacher and talk to them about it because they'll think that we don't, you know. Well, that's the way I felt. I, pride wouldn't let me. And so all these months, I, bought, I had this all bottled up. Finally, one day I was riding down the road, and I just, I just poured my heart out to the Lord. I said, Lord, I don't know. I said, I'm preaching one thing. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I don't know if I'm going to go to heaven. I'm saying you can know I'm living this, uh, this uh, life of doubt. You have got to do something. And all I could, it, it was just as if 
my life took a fast uh, rewind back. And, and I went back to the place that I got saved. And I remember as an eight-year-old boy sitting in my bedroom Indian style. And I can remember the fear, the dread, and the weight that I felt. Matter of fact, I was so scared. Now, this is, this, you got to understand, this is an eight-year-old boy. In my mind, I would not even get up off the floor of my room to go get my mama or daddy because I was so scared that if I left my room, something would happen to me and I would die and I would go to hell. So the safest thing for me was just to stay in that spot. But I can remember in a moment's notice when I went from scared, fearful, dreadful, this heavy load that felt like a two-ton elephant sitting on my chest to just a blink of an eye of when all of that went away. Now, I've always been a hefty feller. And the house we lived in had a wraparound porch. And I'm telling you, I felt like that, that moment after that, that if I could run around that wraparound porch fast enough in enough times that I was so light at that moment, I, I probably could have flapped my arms and took off flying. And I, I, I went back to that day, and it was as if the Lord just showed me, that is all you need to know. Now the question is, what happened at that moment? I'll tell you what happened at that moment. There become peace between me and God. And listen, reality of it is this morning is you may not know the date, you may not know the time, you may not know anything, you may not know anything numerically that, hap- that goes on with you and your salvation. But if something as big as you being at one time being an enemy with God, but then all of a sudden the war is over. There's no more hostility between you and God. Friend, you'll forget the day. You'll forget the time. But you won't forget when the peace of God comes into your heart. And I'm telling you, there's a lot of, there's a lot of times that, that I have doubted and I have wondered uh, because I didn't have all the check marks everybody else has. But I have one thing that nobody else can take away from me is knowing at that moment there was peace between me and God. So Paul says one of the first things that happens with justification is that, that it's peace between that person and God. But not only does that person have peace with God, but notice verse number 2. There again, by whom also we have access by faith unto this grace. So not only does a person, once they get born again, have peace with God, but they also then have access with God. They have access to the throne of God. There again, because of Christ died for our sins, we can now approach a holy God. We're no longer prodigals. We're no longer slaves. But now, because of justification, we are now sons and sons and daughters of the King, and we have access to the Father's house. Isn't it good to know that you don't you don't have to? Not only can you have fellowship with God the Father on Sunday, but you can have the same fellowship with God the Father on Sunday as you do on Monday. There's no, there, is no, there is no expiring with that fellowship. 
You can, and listen, you and I can be at peace with somebody and, have, and not have access with them. That's why, that's why this is so wonderful. Not only do we have peace with God, but we have access to God. Now listen, there again, we can have peace with someone and not have access to them. As far as I know, uh, now I don't, I, don't, I don't like him, I don't like his, uh, his policies, uh, but, uh, but me and the President of the United States, uh, we're at peace together. We're, we're at peace at one another. Now there again, I don't like him, I don't like what he stands for, I don't like his policies, uh, but we're at peace, but I don't have access to him. I guarantee you if I called up there to the White House today and said, hey, I need to speak to President Biden, they'd laugh at me like I was a loony bin. And sure enough, if I showed up at the, at the White House and said, listen, I need to speak to the President, man, they'd, they'd think I was crazy thinking that I was going to let me speak to him. We have peace with each other. But we don't have, I don't have access to him. And listen, that's one, one of the amazing things about God. Not only do we have peace with him, we have access to Him. And it's not restricted or it's not limited access. It is full inclusive access that we have to God. And it, I, I remember several years ago, uh, there again, back in Bible college, we, we did a float in the parade and it was back, back I, don't know, I don't know if y'all Yankees know who these people are, um, but around south it was a big thing, swamp people. Y'all remember them? We used to, I, we used to have church at 5 o'clock and swamp people come on at 8 o'clock. So I made sure I was done preaching and I had supper by 8 o'clock so I watched swamp people. That was, my, that was my thing, getting home and watching swamp people. People, Everybody knew, don't talk to me on Sunday night. Brother Charlie's going, home, going to Dairy Queen, get his Eminem blast, and he's going home to watch swamp people. And that's what I did. But, I, but we, had, we had this flow, had, this, had the Christmas parade, and, and um, I... I didn't know anything about it. I just was told to show up, so I showed up. And uh, we was taking down this float, and all of a sudden, there's a group of people just run past us. And I thought, what in the world? If, if there's a group of people running, I will know why they're running to see if I need to run. And so they're all running, and they're, they're you know, teenage girls, they're doing their little squealy squeals that they do when they uh, get all excited. And, and I'm thinking, my goodness, what's going on? And I looked. And there was uh, the grand marshal for the parade was was two people from swamp people. It was the it was the son and the 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 dad. One had a little uh, ponytail in the back, shaved head ponytail. I can't think of the name, but anyway. And man, them little teenage girls were just going haywire to sign uh, for them to sign their autograph. And I just kept doing what I was doing. I got thinking, you know. When somebody famous like that shows up, people go absolutely nuts. I mean, that, they'll, that, the, the things that they will do to get someone who is famous attention is absolutely just, I mean, it embarrasses me. But then I get to thinking about how people act knowing they have an audience with God. And it don't do anything, do hardly anything for people, does it? Man, they'll jump and scream and hoop and holler when, we de when they deal with someone who is famous, but when it comes to the God of glory, it's almost like sometimes we could care less, couldn't we? So Paul not only says these people that have been justified, they have peace with God, but they also have, they have access to God. And me and you can approach Him. If we've been justified, we can approach Him at any time in prayer and praise and worship. 
But then not only does he talk about a new standing, but he, he talks about peace with God, and I have access, and he talks about a new standing. But then also in the last part of verse number 2, he says this, and rejoicing in hope of the glory of God. Now, the word hope in the Bible does not mean what we use it in in our vernacular. In our, in our language, we think of hope as, as wishful thinking. Bible hope is not wishful thinking. Bible hope is expectation. That it has not happened yet, but it is going to happen. When we use hope, we say it hasn't happened yet, so I'm just wishing it will happen. But Bible is, Bible is the word is, uh, it's not going to happen. It's, it has not happened, but it is going to happen. I just don't know when. And so this is the idea of hope that he's talking about. He says, and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Now, because we've been justified there again, we can rejoice in the, now, I'm going to use this word, uh, in the expectation, uh, there again, in the expectation of the glory of God. That John, 1 John chapter 3, verse number 2 deals with this. Beloved, now we are the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. So Paul, as he's dealing with these people the ones that have been justified, he says, listen, you have peace with God. Not only do you have peace with God, but you have access to God. You have a new standing with God, and now you can rejoice in God. Listen, there's not many things in this world that we can rejoice over, but I'm glad that there is one thing that I can rejoice over, and that is that my name is written down in heaven, and one of these days I'm going to be where He is. I don't know when I'm going, but I know this, uh, that I am going, uh, and when I do go, uh, boy, it's going to be a wonderful time. And so many times, we see so much, uh, uh, so much of the, the, the downtrod of the world, uh, and so much ungodly, and, I, I, and I've been dealing with an issue this week, uh, and I'm telling you, it has, it has done everything uh, but drain me. Uh, I, I have been, I, and, and you can ask KK, uh, I have been irritable. I have been, you know, I know nobody, none of y'all do that when you're stressed. Uh, I know everybody else sings zippy-doo-doo-da-day and whistles, everything's wonderful, glad, and it's a great day to be alive. But when I'm stressed, I get grumpy, okay? That's just how I am. And uh, I mean, it, it has literally drained me. And, and I finally got to the place, I woke up early this morning and I, about my business, and I finally got to the place where I'm not going to let it drain me anymore. I'm just going to rejoice in knowing that my name is written down. And if everything blows up, you know what, let it blow up. I'm just going to rejoice in knowing that I'm born again, that I'm going to heaven when I die, that if, 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 if this world falls apart, let it fall apart because it's not my final home. Listen, if you and I sit, if you and I sit so much time and focus on things that are not going right, we will lose our rejoicing. And the one place that there ought to be rejoicing is in the house of God. Listen, I know there's days you don't feel good. And there's days I don't feel good. And there's weeks your weeks don't go good. And there's weeks my week don't go good. And there's days we just want to fall apart. But listen, when we come to the house of God, this ought to be a place of rejoicing. Why? Because we're saved. We've been justified. We're going to heaven. And listen, the, what we're experiencing down here is the absolute worst we'll ever endure. But so many times we let the things of this world and the cares of this world and the situations so overwhelm us that we forget because we've been justified, we can rejoice in the Lord. Mace Jackson used to say that most churches are 
are so cold on Sunday morning that if you let a, a milk cow down the aisle, she'd be given popsicles by the time she got to the altar. Why? Because nobody wants to rejoice. Listen, how many of you got, got breath in your lungs this morning? Man, we ought to rejoice that we got breath in our lungs. There's people in the hospital begging God to give them breath in their lungs, and here we are, we've got more than we can spare, more in despair. The Bible says they let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. I mean, how many of us was actually able to get up and walk and come to the house of God? Man, you ought to rejoice that you're able to do that. Why? Because there's people who would love to be here but can't because their, their legs don't work like they used to. I mean, how many of us are in a, in a sound, of a sound mind? I know some of us, minds don't work as good as it used to, but at least we got a sound enough mind to be here. Right? We, we see so many things that keep us from rejoicing. But the one thing that should always keep us rejoicing is that we've been justified. So well, so many times you're going to have to remind yourself and I'm going to have to remind ourselves, regardless of the situation, we've got to rejoice. And that sets up for what Paul then deals with next. I've got to, I've got to hurry. Notice what he says. Not only so, not only do we rejoice in those things, Boy, this is so odd. But we glory in tribulations also. Now I go ahead and tell you, I'm going to be real honest with you this morning. There's never been a time that I have, I have been through a tribulation and when I got into it, I said, whoop, glory to God. There's never been a time, Brother David, that I have been in a tribulation that I have thrown my hands up in the air and said, God, I just want to praise you for me going through this tribulation. I ain't done it. They don't look at me spiritual because you ain't done it neither. I mean, think about it. I mean, I, how many of us, when things begin to go haywire, we say, well, Lord, I just want to praise you for letting everything fall apart. When do we praise God? We praise God when everything's put together. We praise God when everything's good. Paul says, now because of justification, you can praise God when there's tribulation. Why? Well, it goes on to deal with what he'll deal later on because they, we know that everything works together for good to them who love God and called according to His purpose. But he said, there's some good things that come, along with come out of tribulation. And what are those things? Notice he says, not only... Not only also, but we glory in tribulations, also knowing that tribulation worketh patience. That word patience means, if you look it up, it means endurance. It means being able to stick it out. You know why so many people don't, ha don't have this, you use the word stickability anymore? Because many of them hadn't endured much. You know who the most faithful people a lot of times in the church is? people that's had tribulation and those people that have went through some hard times I have noticed in the years that I've been in the ministry brother Tim those people that have been endured hard times you couldn't run them off if you tried why because tribulation worketh patience endurance but not only does 
tribulation, then work patience. But then notice this, he goes on to say, patience experience. We find that this, this experience there again is, that, is the same word it, 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 we experience, but uh, uh, I'm sorry, uh, we go in tribulations also knowing that tribulation work of patience, a patient experience, and experience hope. There again, that word hope is expectation. And then he says this, and hope that expectation maketh not ashamed because of the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given to us. Now because of justification, the things that once would destroy us now builds us. There's a, I didn't get through with what I wanted to get through with, but, but I, I just want to leave us with this. Now because you and I are born again, if we've been justified, have you ever looked at somebody and seen some, some things that they're going through and you thought, man, I don't see how it's not, I don't see how it's not killed them. Or maybe you have been through things and you, you've won, now that you have went through those things and you look back on the other side and you, in your mind you're thinking, I don't know how it didn't destroy me. Let me tell you how it didn't destroy you. Because of justification. Because of your salvation. And those other people that have endured so much, but yet they still remain faithful and still remain serving, how did it not, how did it not destroy them? Because of justification. Friend, I'm convinced that so many times that we, I don't know if we really will ever know everything there is to know about our salvation that God gives us. But I am 100% convinced that a lot of times we don't know really what we have, we have a hold of or what has a hold of us. And this morning I'm telling you that there's going to be bad days, there's going to be good days. There's going to be rejoicing and there's going to be weeping. There's going to be mountaintops and there's going to be valleys. But now because of justification, you can rejoice in the, mount, in the valleys just as much as you can the mountaintops. And the thing that you think is trying to destroy you very, way, very well may be the very thing God uses to build you. Listen, the whole reason God brings tribulations into your life and into mine is for one purpose and that is to prepare us for service. Song leader musicians come. I want to ask you, when you think about tribulation, when do you pray the most? Tribulation's hit, isn't it? A lot of times when you draw closer as you draw, try to draw closer to God is when? It's when hard times hit. The reality of it is this morning is we look at tribulations and we look at it as something that we don't want, something that is less desirable. But do you realize that some of the sweetest times you'll ever have 
with God is in the midst of the hardest trials. Some of the sweetest times I've ever had with God was not in the pulpit. It was not in a pew. It was not even at an altar. Some of the sweetest times I've had with God when it was with nobody but me and Him and I was in the midst of the greatest battle 